1: Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Our podcast, of course, is a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, so if you found us through uh, the Hockey Podcast Net- Network, welcome aboard. Uh, we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, again, I said, as I said, episode 248. I'm your host for the show. I'm also the lead correspondent at the AHL Report, my name is Amy Johnson, and I'm joined in the studio each and every week by my tremendous co-host. Uh, he is our president and founder here at Rocket Sports, also works as our editor-in-chief, and uh, he who wears all the hats behind the scenes. Uh, and he is the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today?
2: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right, thanks. That's good. I, uh, you
2: survived the trade deadline.
1: I survived the trade deadline. I did. I did. Um it was uh, it was I said at the end of the day yesterday. Why is a trade deadline so exhausting? You're sitting around just watching for trades all day, but it is so tiring. I don't know why.
2: Well, well, there was a lot of activity. Um there was a lot particularly of, in the last hour. Yeah. It was Yarmo uh, Kaikalaikin said uh in his post trade deadline media availability uh that there was things he couldn't talk about because they were stuck in the, the trade queue uh, waiting for the um, the NHL call. And uh, he said, I think there's 33 in the queue.
1: <laughs> and everyone just kind of their eyes and fell like, out what? of their heads. Like, are you kidding what? me? Yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting trade deadline. Uh, we are going to talk about how the Montreal Canadiens fared uh, in this trade deadline uh, for sure. Um, that's going to be... The hot topic today, uh, Rick and I, in the first segment, are going to go through um, the trades that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon uh, finalized yesterday on trade deadline day. We're going to take you through each of those, uh, who left the organization, what they got in return, and kind of give you our our thoughts and reactions on on how on on whether or not we liked each trade, and just overall going back and including the the Sharat move and the. Brandon Batic move and the Tyler Toffoli move just overall uh, how we feel uh, the new Habs front office team uh, fared in in this trade deadline. We're also going to get you up to date on how the Laval Rocket did uh, in their weekend set of games. And then in the second segment, Patrick Williams will be joining us. It is AHL hot stove time again. And hmm, what are we going to talk about? Oh, the trade deadline. (laughs) But a different twist on it. Of course, Patrick has his finger on the pulse of everything going on in the AHL. So we're going to... um, Kind of get his thoughts on uh, the guys who are going to be coming to the Laval Rocket, uh, who the Habs acquired, uh, and get some insight from Patrick on on what kinds of players we can be expecting, as well as some of um, Laval's rivals who kind of beefed up their rosters as well. And he'll give us uh, some insight on some of the big moves that happened league-wide that had big impacts at the AHL level. So it's going to be a really, really interesting show today. Um kind of the calling it the trade deadline debrief perfect should be fun all right all right so let's start with the Montreal Canadiens and we're going to kind of go a little bit in in reverse order of how things happened a little bit yesterday you know I mentioned Rick uh just there when I when I said you know we're going to talk in general go even going back a few weeks how Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon uh, did in this trade deadline. One of those things I mentioned was Brandon Batic being traded away, and that was to bring Andrew Hammond in as a, uh, you know, needed a goaltender in a pinch because of all of the injuries that were, happen, uh, that were happening. And he came in and did a serviceable job, uh, hadn't played in the NHL in a few years. Um, and uh, he found himself on the move yesterday. Andrew Hammond uh, was uh, traded to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for uh, forward Nate Schnarr. Um, Rick, we're going to talk about Nate Schnarr a bit uh, in the next segment with Patrick, get some some big and kind of more uh, broader insight on him. Uh, What we do know about him is that he's uh, a very competent player, uh, plays for the Utica Comets in the AHL, Uh, great uh, great scoring touch, good leadership. Um, And I liked seeing that uh, Andrew, you know, as as Jake Allen's obviously healthy now, uh, Carey Price is starting to attend morning, morning skates uh, on a more regular basis. So I think this was a good move to uh, get Andrew Hammond off the roster, move him along to somewhere where he might get to still play and still get a, a, a decent piece in return.
2: Canadians were in need, desperate need of a goaltender. And... Um they wanted to do that without adding one to their roster. They were able to do that with uh, trading Brandon, um, Brandon Batik. Um And Andrew Hammond came in and as you said, hadn't played, um, hadn't had a win in, in no. many, many years and, and uh, uh, stepped in and played extremely well uh, for those three games. Mm-hmm. And uh, as such, Kent Hughes said uh, he felt that he owed a bit of a debt to Andrew Hammond, um, when he spoke with them, said Andrew, said uh, I, I'd like an opportunity to continue uh, playing games in the NHL. So um, Kent Hughes said, I'll try to accommodate you at the deadline, um, and and did just that with uh, with the trade for Natchinard to uh, coming from New Jersey.
1: I think one of the interesting pieces on, on this deal, too, and it's something that you noted in this week's Habs Headlines uh, article that can be found at allhabs.net, which breaks down all of, all of the moves that uh, the Canadians did make on trade deadline day, uh, is that Nate Schnarr used to be a teammate of Nick Suzuki's way back when, when they played for the Gulf Storm. That's correct. Which is that's pretty fun. Now, granted, Nate, uh, Nate Schnarr is not going to be playing for the Canadians right now, so he won't be reunited with Nick Suzuki yet. Um, uh, but we'll see, uh, you know, you never know when a call up is going to be needed for an injury or something like that. Uh, and, uh, we will, uh, we'll see, we'll see how that all shakes out. um, so, okay, that was kind of the the last big hurrah of the day and and we were like, okay, that's 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 a good way to to end things. It was, you know, people might see that as a very small move, but um as as you said, Rick, I I liked that um Kent Hughes was willing to help out Andrew Hammond even though he only spent a very brief amount of time in Montreal. Um giving him an opportunity and picking up a piece for Laval, which is going to be very welcome as they're solidly in a playoff position right now. Um, and anything to bolster their roster is, is certainly welcomed. Um, one of the other, uh, there was a defenseman that was on the move and I know Rick, you had even speculated prior to, to trade deadline day that it was probably pretty likely that either Brett Kulak or Chris Weidman were going to get moved. Um, and it's funny like it 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 made it made me laugh in the run up to the deadline day um all of these all of these players that either never really were were paid much attention to on the canadians roster or were just kind of you know average players suddenly it was don't trade this person. Don't trade that person. <laughs> don't trade this person. Don't. Tra- and it was don't trade Brett Kulak. You can't trade Brett. Kul- what? Tell me why you can't pr- trade Brett Kulak. And that's nothing against Brett Kulak. Brett Kulak is a good defenseman. He's a really good guy. Um, we got to work with him when he when he played in the AHL for Laval. Um Nothing against Brett Kulak at all, but if you can move him and get something in return, we're all for it. So that's exactly what Kent uh, Kent Hughes did. Brett Kulak was the one to go, uh, traded to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for uh, defenseman William Lagesson. So getting a defenseman in return, as well as a conditional second-round pick in 2022. And a seventh rounder in 2024. Uh, Montreal retaining 50% of Kulak's salary for the rest of this season. Um, I like the I like the second round pick. Definitely like getting the second round pick. And if you, you know, you've gotten rid of Sherrod. The back end is a, is looking a little weak right now. You don't have Weber. Sherrod's gone. Now you're getting rid of Kulak. Um so, bringing in William Lagesson, Brick, I think that was uh, I, th- I think that's a fair a fair trade for Brett Kulak and and getting two additional draft picks as well and a depth defenseman.
2: He's uh, Lagesson is is uh, twenty six years old, a, a defenseman that hasn't really uh, established himself just yet. Um, he's split time even this uh, season between Bakersfield uh, of the AHL and the Oilers. He has four assists uh, in his 30 games um, for the Oilers, Um, and and I I think uh, with with him, it's uh, it's to fill a a, a roster spot, um, um, a spot in the lineup uh, till the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I don't know that uh, there's there's going to be a commitment there. Um, one of the, the issues is that uh, he's one of those uh, that they talked about on the broadcast, Group 6, uh, whereas if he doesn't play 18 games, uh, I believe the Canadians have 19 left, um, if he doesn't play 18 games, he becomes an unrestricted free agent rather than a restricted free agent. Um, so, um, he, he may be lost and, and maybe the Canadians are okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they won't, we'll see how he fits, how he's worked into the lineup. If, um, uh, the Canadian, and that will tell us whether the Canadians have plans for him long-term, uh, but maybe not. Um, and, and that's okay. Um, he was, he was just, uh, it, it helped the, the Oilers in in their cap situation, as did did the retention of the fifty percent of Kulak's salary, um, and and it helps uh, Montreal you know, for uh, as I said a, a spot in the lineup right now. Um, in Kulak, um, you know it it it's interesting in that um, lots of fans and and the media are hanging on comments um that Kent Hughes uh, said uh, saying that he likes Brett Kulak he has no intentions to trade Brett Kulak um he made those um uh, a week ago i think it was at the uh, uh, when he was speaking about Ben Chirot mm-hmm. um and as we said on the Canadians connection on the weekend um <laughs> take those comments with a grain of salt because um they were more about um, uh, setting prices, setting values for the Canadians players. It was a message more to other general managers rather than rather than a commitment to fans or or the media. Um, and in doing so, um, you know, it it kept the prices. it's a, a, a really good value uh, coming back uh, from the Canadians a second round pick. Now that second round pick's either going to be in 2022. Or 2023, and that's going to depend if the Oilers get to uh, the finals or not. If if they do, uh, then they won't have a second round pick because it'll go to uh, Chicago in the Dun- Duncan Keith trade, and the Canadians will get a 2023 second round pick. Um, but still, um, um, either or, uh, that's uh, yeah. and and probably you know, as some are, are saying that the 2023 draft is is. Uh, a little more deep than than it might be to the Canadians' benefit to get uh, that that conditional part of the the uh, agreement.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, like the trade, um, we like Brett Kulak just like uh, Kent Hughes does, but certainly someone that you could afford to lose, uh, and in the process uh, get a pretty good return for him. So um, really, really pleased with with that trade. Uh, the trade that. Um, it's funny, for for this uh, particular next trade, it was kind of the big trade of the day for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, when asked later on, Kent Hughes said that as of 1 p.m. on Monday, two hours prior to the trade deadline expiring, um, there was still no plan in place uh, to trade Arturi Lekanen. But Kent Hughes has said all along, if I get an offer that I can't refuse, then I'm going to pull the trigger on a trade. And that's what happened, basically, with Arturi Lekinen. Um, Another defenseman coming back. Uh, Arturi Lekanen gets to have a tremendous opportunity. I love this trade, Rick. Uh, he gets traded to the Colorado Avalanche in return for defenseman Justin Barron. Uh, which is a, a very good defensive prospect and a 2024 second rounder. Um Montreal, of course, retaining 50% of Lekanen's salary as well for the remainder of of this season. Um I think first I just want to mention is in terms of Lekanen, uh, and I even mentioned this on Twitter as well. I might have mentioned it on the Canadians Connection on uh Saturday. Arturi Lekanen has for five or six years now been the most undervalued underappreciated and and just dark horse of of the Montreal Canadiens forward lines um, he has always brought a lot of value to a lineup and for years the Canadians and many of their fans refused to see that the the Montreal media refused to see that they the, he was kind of uh, he was he was kind of the the you know he got dumped on a lot if there were mistakes it was easy to blame it on Arturi Lucanen for some reason um Arturi Lucanen has always shown to be a very defensively responsible forward that can play anywhere up and down the lineup uh and his scoring touch is is really something special um fans and and the media and so forth in the in the last couple of months uh, somehow seemed to have suddenly discovered how valuable Arturi Lekkinen is, um, and of course, then it was don't trade Lecky. Well, we're I, I'm I'm happy to see him finally move to an organization where I think he's going to get a very good opportunity. He's got a he's got a legit chance at a cup run again. Um, I think he's going to be very appreciated. You could see the reaction from Colorado Avalanche fans yesterday, like. Holy crap, we got Arturi Lekkinen. This is going to be so tremendously good for our lineup, uh, Rick. So, I think first and foremost, I just want to say I am happy for Arturi Lekkanen, Uh That not only, not, you know, I'm not, ha- of course, I'm not happy to see him leave the Canadians organization, but I'm so excited for the opportunities he's going to have.
2: For sure. Uh, Artori Lechnin was key during uh, the Canadians' playoff run to the final and scored the overtime goal uh, that yeah. got the Canadians to uh, the Stanley Cup final against uh, Vegas. Um, yeah, he's, he's clearly been the most consistent um, Canadians forward this season, uh, and it's because uh, he's, he consistently puts in um, hard, hard work, uh, great effort. He's, he's very smart. Uh, he's very tenacious. Um, you talked about his uh, defensive work. you know he's uh, the defensive uh, conscience on on each line he plays on, but he's also key on the Canadians penalty kill. Um, but he's he's uh, very creative in creating scoring opportunities. He hasn't Mm -hmm. always had the, uh, line mates to be able to finish those chances. That's right. Uh, but this year he's, he's taken it upon himself to, to do that, to finish (laughs) some of those chances. Yeah. uh, Um, uh, he's, he's been in the top three in goal scoring for the Canadians, uh, this season. Um, he's just, you know, on the forecheck, he, he creates turnovers, um, and, 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 on the back check, he's just as strong as well. So um, this is a great opportunity for him, and um, it looks like he'll line up on the third line with Alex Newhook, and and uh, that that should be a, a good line for Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 tough to see him him go, uh, but as you said, he was kind of a, a, a under um, Claude Julien. Uh, we remember that uh, many fans and media were were criticizing Julian for using him, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but he's uh, he's the kind of player that coaches like. Uh, because they can trust him, they can put him anywhere, and he automatically makes that line better. And and uh, we even heard Marty St. Louis, in his short experience, say that uh, how much he valued um, Arturi Lekkinen.
1: In return for Arturi Lekkinen, uh, yes, a second round pick in 2024, and a first, a former first round draft pick in defenseman Justin Barron, who uh, we all thought was going to report to Laval, but it seems as if uh, right now the Canadians plan to bring him to Montreal. Uh, and I guess test is test the waters uh, in, on the NHL roster. He is scheduled to uh, arrive in uh, Montreal today, Tuesday sometime and, and is expected to, to practice uh, uh, with, with Montreal on Wednesday. And, um, Rick, this is again, and we're gonna we're gonna ask Patrick Williams in the next segment uh, to give us a little more insight on on how he's performed with the Colorado Eagles in the AHL this season. But a guy like Justin Barron, a 20-year-old defenseman, former first rounder, former captain of the Halifax Mooseheads, um, who I believe was a defensive pairing with Caden Gooley. is that right, or am I thinking?
2: In uh, for Team
1: Canada, for Team Canada, yes. Sorry, not for not for the Mooseheads, but in with Team Canada, uh, so there's a little bit of a connection there. This, this was this was really the big piece, key piece coming back in this trade, right? Um, uh, Kent, uh
2: Kent, uh, uh, Kent Hughes had said that, uh, for Lacken and his price was uh, a first round pick or equivalent and another piece, and mm-hmm. so. This is the first-round pick part. Um, as you said, he was, he was a first-round pick in 2020, 25th overall. The second-round uh, p- uh, pick that we talked about was, was that other piece uh, that they were looking for. Um, he, he comes to the organization and, and will instantly be uh, one of the top prospects. Um, and and uh, I, 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 I wouldn't put him uh, ahead of Caden Gooley, um, because he he does have some some work to do. and and even in his draft here, um they talked about him being a, a steady, but not a flashy player. He's not a player that that um, is going to be the the number one um, uh, be out on your first power play unit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got good size, he's an excellent skater, uh, great speed and and he he's the kind of, of, uh defenseman that's able to use that that uh, speed to be able to create a, a gap to go back and, and retrieve pucks and and he's very good on that has a pretty good shot um but um, you know he he still has has a lot of work to do uh n- not a great contributor uh to the offense um in in junior and, and we'll hear from um, Patrick as far as how that's changed in the AHL um and and he's he's um, not known for uh, playing with an edge or or uh, he's got size, but he, he doesn't always use it. So um, he, he was he was a, a pick that divided scouts um, during his draft here. Uh, but for the Canadians, this is this is uh, a player that uh, a defenseman um, that uh, shoots right. So it's it's rebuilding that, that right side, particularly with. Uh, Jeff Petrie looking to be gone in 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 the summertime, mm-hmm. and um, this this was a very key piece and a, a piece that certainly uh, Colorado Joe Sackett, didn't want to give up.
1: I would imagine not so, but they're getting Arturi Lekhanen, Uh so they're they're again. I kind of I kind of go back to that Kent Hughes talking about, uh, and I think it was a clip uh, you might have even. Played on Saturday on the Canadians connection, Kent Hughes talking about how um, at the end of the day, if if both sides of a trade uh, come out with a win, then that's that's then it's been a good trade And, and Colorado definitely made out in this deal. And Montreal definitely made out in this deal, uh, and I think uh, I think it was a very good trade. Uh, I think they got good return for Luckin, and I'm glad that they got him moved before the deadline. Um, so those three trades happened. Uh, in addition to, we know uh, Ben Sherratt and Tyler Toffoli left the organization via trade uh, in, in the last few weeks. Uh, so that also meant in return, uh, guys like Tyler Smolanik and Emil hein- Heineman and Tyler Pit- Pit- Pitlick uh, also come into the Montreal Canadiens organization, uh, as well as I'm just going to read here from your Habs Headlines article, a first rounder in 2022, a first rounder in 2023, a fourth rounder in 2022, and a fifth rounder in 2022. So, Rick, overall... Um, I think Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon did pretty well for their first time uh, out of the, out of the gate together uh, at Trade Deadline Day for the Canadians.
2: I, t- I think they did very well uh, very, very well. Um, I know there's uh, Habs, some fa- Habs fans are, are um, overjoyed. Others are, are disappointed that some of their favorites have uh, now been shipped out of the organization. Uh, did the Canadians win the trade deadline? No, um, I don't think you can do that if you're not building the the, the trade deadline, its purpose is is for teams to build uh, for a playoff run. So if you're not in that category, then just by definition, in my books, you can't win. so it it was Florida uh, that that was one of the winners and and Pittsburgh and and maybe Tampa and Colorado and Minnesota. Uh, but but saying that, um, the Canadians did exactly what they, uh, they wanted to do. Um, and uh, uh, perhaps the only other piece, uh, um, Ken Hughes talked about uh, they were close to, to um, uh, being able to trade Shea Weber's contract. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Um, Arizona instead um, uh, dealt with Winnipeg and got Brian Little's contract contract. Um, and so maybe that's the only uh, disappointment, and 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 maybe if there was there was um, how do I say this? Not much heavy lifting done. Um, <laughs> the the trades that um, that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton made, um, I won't I won't call them easy, uh, but they were the ones they were the players that were in demand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it would have been nice to see them. Uh, trade a Perot uh, to to get some value on an expiring contract or, or Weidman that you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. Um, or some of the, 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 the bad contracts, uh, a Byron or an Armia or a Duran. But those are, those are probably something they'll have to work on in the summer. Um, But, but the, um, that's going to be there's going to be a lot to to be done in the summer as well as bringing some free agents in, uh, but those that's that's really difficult work and and for the um, the first time for uh, uh, Hughes uh, Kent Hughes uh, it, it was probably um, a win just to be able to t- trade the ones that uh, were expected to go and get the value that, that they, they had, they had set and, and, uh, and, and hung on to.
1: I agree with you that they did very well, uh, their first go around here. Um, I'm exceptionally pleased. Uh, I I have no qualms whatsoever with any of the guys who they traded out and I like the returns that they got for all the trades that they made. Um, and it kind of makes me even more excited to see what's going to happen this summer, because if if Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, as you say, uh, were savvy enough and and were, were good enough negotiators or, or able to put things together in such a positive way at the trade deadline, uh, free agency and <clears throat> excuse me, and the offseason is going to be really fascinating to watch. Uh, as you say, there is a lot of work left to be done on this roster. There's a lot of work left to be done on on their cap situation and with uh, big contracts. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen this summer. And it's is is that hope that I feel? <laughs> is <laughs> it's a it's a, no, it's a strange feeling. It's an to odd you. emotion that, that I'm cautiously optimistic. Could it possibly be? Um, i, I I'm, I'm feeling good. About the future.
2: Well, if you head over to um, (laughs) our (laughs) Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash allhabs, you can have that hope stripped pretty quickly as you read through the comments. Um, Is Gerald back? Yes, he is. We talked uh, to Gerald. We heard from Gerald on Saturday. he's upset. He's very upset.
1: Oh, Gerald. Uh,
2: There are fans who are are cynical because they say, you know, 13 uh, draft picks uh, in in this uh, upcoming draft. Uh, but look at their draft record. If and and uh, d- just a, a bit of correction: the canadians draft record isn't isn't terrible under th- Timmins, not terrible. That's that's a bit of a myth. Mm-hmm. Um, the The issue was the development of those, the transition to the uh, to the NHL, and Mark Bergevin's um, penance for for fiddling for trading away uh, uh, prospects. Um, I I, I th- I have hope that, uh, like you, uh, that there's going to be less of that. That the transitions uh, to the NHL—they understand that much better than the the previous regime. And uh, with some of the appointments they've made, I think that's going to help um, move the players through the system and develop them uh, for for the NHL. The other the other issue is. Um, as Kent Hughes said, they're not going to, they're going to use all of those picks necessarily. Right. Uh, They they may combine them to move up in the draft. They may uh, uh, ship them out to bring in uh, more, more ready prospects. Um, So don't, don't, don't worry about all those prospects that they, they have, Uh, but be patient. Uh, You know, uh, uh, one of the things that Gerald said is um, uh, I can't wait three years. Well, it's gonna take gonna take it's going to take that long look at the New York Rangers it's going to take uh at least three years uh to get back to a competitive
1: footing and then sky's the limit we'll see we'll see if it works uh, i I like the the direction it's currently moving in so we will see um quickly uh before we wrap up this segment just a quick peek down at the AHL uh, Laval rocket of course uh, we're just going to give you the the highlight of how they did last weekend for the more In depth and detailed coverage, go to ahlreport.com. There are full game recaps for each of these games we're going to talk about that break down all of the details and the stats and the analysis for you. Uh, Laval played two games at home last weekend, coming off a very disappointing end to their road trip the week before. Uh, They hosted, excuse me, the Hartford Wolfpack on Friday night. This was, uh, it's it's funny, they actually, both goaltenders that they faced this past weekend, Rick, were former Montreal Canadiens. Goaltenders mm-hmm. or goaltending prospects on Friday night with Hartford, they were facing Keith Kincaid, who had shut them out earlier in the season. Uh, this time, Laval was the victor, winning seven to four. Joel Teasdale with his first career AHL hat trick, uh, also happened to be Cedric Paquette's debut, so it was a it was a pretty pretty big deal. Uh, on Friday night Uh, then they turned around on Saturday afternoon facing Hershey uh, the Hershey Bears and Zach Fucali in net Um, and this was a dominant five to one win uh, over the Hershey Bears Uh, it was a tight game in uh, in the first period and then Laval opened things up with four goals in the second period and uh, there was kind of no looking back after that
2: Cedric Paquette with one of those goals. He looks mm-hmm. so much more comfortable at the AHL level. Um, it looked like he was a bit overwhelmed um, in the games that he played for the Canadians uh, this year. But um, he seems to have uh, adapted and uh, and seems to be fitting in with the team um, much, much better.
1: Uh, when I spoke to J.F. Wool last week, uh, shortly after Paquette had arrived and begun... Uh, Practicing with the team, he said he came with a great attitude. He was ready to work, looking forward to to this stretch run to the playoffs. Uh, and Jay off also mentioning that he used to coach Paquette in juniors, so they have a very good working relationship, according to Uhl, Uh, and that the two of them had sat down for multiple conversations about hockey, about life, about all that kind of stuff. And so it seems like Paquette's in a good place uh, in Laval. So uh, congratulations to him. Congratulations to Laval. Those two wins last weekend and the way the rest of the division shook out puts them currently in second place in the north division uh which is uh, still very tight positions uh, two through six are just a, a a whisper apart from each other in the points percentage so it's going to be a really competitive uh last five weeks of the regular season here coming up
2: i think in in the north i think we can say utica is yes. going to finish first. They're yes. they're well ahead. <laughs> I think we can say Cleveland's going to finish last. I think so. Um, the the five teams in between those, uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, and three of them will will make the playoffs. That's right. Um, so it's it's going to be a lot of 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 jockeying, and and, uh, and right now we see, remember, um, we, we keep saying this, but uh, pay attention to the points percentage. Mm-hmm. Laval Rocket currently sitting in second with 59 points. Syracuse Crunch in fifth with 64 points. How does that work? Well, it's the points percentage. So uh, make sure when you're looking at the standings that you look by points percentage. That's right.
1: Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, get the studio ready for Patrick Williams to join us in the next segment for the AHL Hot Stove. We are going to talk more in depth about the AHL guys uh, that the Montreal Canadiens acquired yesterday. In addition to that, talk about some big moves and related moves uh, that affected the AHL and some of the Laval Rockets' uh, biggest competitors uh, right after this. So stay with us. You're listening to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big, too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or over, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Uh, I am your host once again, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host Rick Stevens. We're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, Be sure, of course, you're following on Twitter at the AHL Report. That's the place to go for all of our content, all of our live in-game coverage of the Laval Rocket. Uh, And you can also follow this podcast at the Press Zone. And uh, we'd love to have you along. Make sure you're subscribed, by the way. Uh, Whatever podcast platform is your favorite, whatever you're listening to this podcast currently with, just take a look down. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode every Tuesday of the Press Zone. We promised this in the first segment, and yes, it is time for the AHL Hot Stove. Uh, Happy to welcome back to the show. uh, Time just Flies when you're having fun, and it's been two weeks since Patrick was uh, here with us. Patrick Williams back for the AHL hot stove. Uh, did you survive trade deadline, sir?
0: Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> better than probably some of the uh, some of the people that moved <laughs> their whole lives upended. Or um, you know, you think about like the Baron family,
1: yeah, not right. one but
0: both sons traded on the same day. I don't. I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean.
2: Good you times. know, guess
0: maybe the Sutter brothers at some point, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, or Hari Satari who a month ago was playing in Siberia and now he's working in Phoenix. Like it's a weird lifestyle. And, but yeah, so <laughs> pretty easy, I think for us on the sidelines, but uh, for, I think for the players and the families for sure, it's, it's a little different.
1: Well, one thing that we want to do, we're, we're going to talk to you a bit today. Uh, about some of the names uh, that our listeners probably are newly becoming acquainted with, but before we get there, just want to take care of, uh, kind of call this call this our annual public service announcement because. The the rules and regulations between the AHL and the NHL around trade deadline is uh, sometimes get a bit convoluted and confusing. So just want to remind folks of a few things. Um, so now that the trade deadline has passed, uh, we we should remember that the limitations on the NHL roster size has been lifted. So now the NHL roster can hold as many players as they wish uh the nhl rosters now get four recalls from the ahl for the rest of the regular season of course that's excluding any emergency recalls due to injury Um, but only four recalls from the ahl now for the remainder of the regular season a lot of transactions if you go to the ahl transaction page you'll probably see a lot of nhl players show up there uh just briefly, those paper transactions, of course, needed to take place. Uh, the rules are that by trade deadline at three pm. this past Monday, the twenty first, uh, any player who is not on an AHL roster at that time is not eligible to be sent down at any and play at any point in the remainder of the AHL regular season or postseason. So teams would have done a paper transaction to to send, quote unquote, send down some of the guys on their NHL roster. Uh, to make them eligible to be sent down later in the season or the postseason to play. So you may have seen those kinds of things happen. Just wanted to make those reminders last but not least, Patrick, this is one I'll defer to you on Uh, the NHL trade deadline may have passed, but the AHL trade deadline has not correct. When does, Mm -hmm. when does that take place?
0: Correct. Um, The uh, deadline is next Monday at 3 PM Eastern uh, sort of, exactly one week to the, uh, to the hour after the NHL deadline. And, um, yeah, now, now this is a chance for, for the dust to settle after yesterday's <laughs> NHL deadline to then sort of everybody catch their breath and assess their, their NHL rosters and, and, and go from there.
2: So, um, Long-time AHL f- fans will be quite familiar with something that, that used to be called the AHL Clear Day roster. Uh, that's kind of evolved. That doesn't exist anymore. But um, we we don't necessarily see a lot of trades that happen uh, in that week between the NHL and AHL rosters. Can you talk about the type of trades or the type of transactions that, uh, um, as few as they are, that that may happen this week?
0: Yeah, so um, generally, what you see now is, is players on AHL contracts, and I think you know some background on that is just you know generally speaking, you have two categories of players. You have players that are on NHL deals, and those could be one way or two way deals, and that's your traditional prospect types and guys that are, are you know are recall options and, and players like that. And then you have guys on AHL deals, and they they tend to either be Veteran players, you know, that are kind of more in that realm that uh, are like a Matt Molson and Hershey would certainly be that category where he's mm-hmm. he signed strictly to play for the American League team. Being called up is not really uh, in the cards, and uh, um, you know, or it can be kind of a more unproven ECHL type player. So you'll have actually players that are on two way AHL, ECHL deals as well. So it you know, sort of has those two categories within that category of AHL contracts, um, and so this is the week now where players can be traded if they're AHL contracts for AHL contracts, or you can be loaned. Uh, if you're on an NHL deal, you can essentially be loaned to another AHL team out there, and that's more now what you'll see. Um, you know, it won't be an official trade per se; it'll be more of a, a loan. Um, so.
1: And so it's- Basically,
0: yeah, this is a chance for everybody trying to try get their their ducks in a row here, and uh, you know, this is just sort of your your final, final chance now. If you're an AHL team, AHL general manager, you know, you had your NHL deadline to hopefully take care of things, but now if there's still some loose ends, um, or you know, like in the case of um, a type of situation where, if you're the Charlotte Checkers um, two years ago, right before um, the NHL trade deadline that year, they their roster completely got picked apart by the Carolina Hurricanes, who were their firm or their parent team at the time, and so um, kind of shortly thereafter they they um, they added Keith Kincaid from the Habs um, on loan, so. You'll see like moves like that where it's it's a situation where you're just trying to, um, in some cases, you know, clean up the clean up the damage kind of left by the NHL parent team if they've really kind of done the number on your roster, you know, at the deadline.
2: But for fans who um, are watching their team uh, and and looking for the this push to the playoffs, um, are there any uh, are there any other tools, any other mechanisms? Uh, for their teams to add players, can they get players from Europe? Can they get players from college or the junior ranks?
0: Yeah, you you well, you can bring up uh, you know your college uh, types, and you'll see a ton of players um, who are leaving college start to sign. Generally, they'll sign what's called an ATO amateur tryout deal, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. And um, so they come in late season, and, and I mean, sometimes those can be real impact players. I mean, I think. Uh, one of the best examples would be Zach Orensky. Um mm.
1: In
0: 2016, uh, came in uh, from Michigan, uh, signed late season with uh, Lake Erie, now Cleveland Monsters, and uh, they were already a team that was looking pretty solid, and that was kind of the final piece that put them over the top. They went on to win the Cup that year. Um, if you go know further back, uh, uh, the the Flyers... They added uh, Mike Carter, or (laughs) Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. um,
1: Essentially, it's Mike Carter.
0: (laughs) Back in 2005, um, so there was already a team that was, you know, they were kind of a powerhouse, and that was the NHL lockout year as well. So now you're you're putting in two first-round picks into the the lineup, and those guys came in and dominated, and that was pretty much um, their final – final stop before they went on to uh, NHL careers. And, you know, Jeff Carter's still playing to this day. So um, you can definitely get some real high-end players coming in from college or junior. Um, And then uh, Europe is a little bit of a different wrinkle because um, a number of years ago they would have players whose European seasons ended early, you know, earlier. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, the European calendar does – finish up a little bit uh, sooner than the calendar we play over here. So uh, what you would have then is essentially some of these guys would sign AHL deals and come in late season and almost kind of be rainers in a way. So that that didn't sit well with uh, some teams. So that that, that got uh, corrected. Now there's a February 1st deadline this year where if you were a player in Europe – you had to sign with an AHL team by then uh, to come over and then clear waivers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something a lot of people don't realize, that there are actually AHL waivers. Um, so um, occasionally you see you see that happen. It doesn't seem to happen as much as it used to, um, where a player comes over on waivers. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to recall. I think Tim Connolly was one, gosh, probably five or six years ago. Um came over from Europe and uh, kind of did it that way but um, occasionally you'll, you'll see players um, in that situation. So those are the general mechanisms and then I think the final the final thing is probably a smaller thing, but you can still bring up players from the ECHL um, so you know if you kind of need some extra depth that way you can, you can take care of it in that sense.
1: Excellent. See, these are all the ins and outs, people, and and the, it's the questions that you'll get. Well, what about this? And what about that? And wait, somebody made a trade, and how's that possible? So that's uh, thank you for for breaking whole, all of that down. <laughs> a whole other world beyond
0: the NHL here, and the, <laughs> a whole other set of rules. And it's hard
1: sprinklers. for all of us to keep it in line, much less fans. So I mean
0: stipulations you know. to the stipulations. Uh, <laughs> so yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about some of some of the names that uh, fans are are now getting uh, acquainted with starting with Laval um, going to start actually with someone who we thought was going to come to Laval but it looks like is going to actually start in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens uh, for right now Uh, And this would be the former first round uh, draft pick that came back uh, in the Arturi Lackanen trade. And that is Justin Barron Uh, being traded from the Colorado Avalanche has spent a a good amount of time this season, of course, with the Colorado Eagles. Uh, Rick and I talked about him a little bit in the the first segment today, but uh, Patrick, can you give us a little insight on what type of player Justin Barron is and, and how his game has transitioned to, to pro hockey in the AHL.
0: Yeah, I was, I was impressed by that move to start off with. Um, so, um, he's sort of a hybrid, I guess, of more, you know, your modern day, you know, great skater, great mobility, um, great vision, uh, that sort of thing, but a little bit more of a traditional, like he still plays uh, with some physicality in his game. Um, Good size. Uh, I want to say he's about 6'2", probably pushing 200 at this point. Um, the thing I, I was impressed by was how kind of quickly he stepped into the pro game and kind of really discovered, you know, some some you know, potent offensive play. That's, uh, you know, you don't always see players do that and still maintain the defensive side of the team. Um sometimes you'll see players come in and, yeah, they put up points, uh, especially defensemen, but the defensive side of their game is kind of a mess. And, uh, but he's been able to kind of walk that line between both sides of the puck. And, um, you know, it's been, I think really, really solid uh, first half or so of season for him with Colorado Eagles um, who've, you know, they've been a real, real nice addition for the avalanche in terms of developing some talent and uh, they have great Cronin there, the head coach and, a pretty good uh, coaching staff behind him as well. So, you know, you're getting a player that's got some good, um, some good on the job training already. Now you're going to bring him into either the Habs, you know, or maybe eventually Laval, I would think. He would be there for the playoff run at the very least. Uh, So, um, yeah, you have a situation where you're good young talent. Uh, He's he's still a rookie, so um, you kind of, Stoke a mold him a little bit. So I, I, I thought it was a great pickup.
2: What um, what would be the best compliment to him to to the kind of game that he plays? What kind of defenseman would best best compliment him? Hmm,
0: it's an interesting. One. Depends, I think what you're trying to do. Um, I would like to see him play with uh, Sammy Niku though. I, okay. you know, I know he's on kind of family leave right now, but. Um, Sammy Niku, I mean, sort of the knock on him has always been the defensive, or I should say, yeah, the defensive side of his team. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: obviously the talents there, you know, with, with the puck, but uh, that's basically what kept him out of the NHL on a regular basis. I think if you put Behring back there, um, I, I think he could rise to the occasion of taking on that responsibility to really kind of be that safety valve. Um, allow Niku to kind of do what he does, and I'm kind of at this, this stage, of, especially at the HL level, a believer that you can only change a player so much, right? Like Sammy Niku is what he is. And you have to, at some level, sort of make peace with that and um, and work with it or or don't have him, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're not comfortable with Sammy Niku being Sammy Niku, then, <sighs> you know, <laughs> it's not going to be a good fit. And... Um, but if you can put him at the right partner, I think you can kind of bring the best out of both players. And um, I, I like the idea of a, a young player like Justin Barron taking on that, that challenge and, uh, and kind of being that, that guy that, that you send out and you tell him, all right, first and foremost, take care of things defensively, let Niku be Niku, And, you know, where, where you can chip in with the puck, great. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, kind of be that, uh, that last guy back, so to speak. So, uh, I would like to see them and see what kind of what they could do together
1: that's a that's a that's a really great uh, great point there and and maybe we will get to see that <laughs> um, now the other piece for Laval uh, that that came. Um, in the Andrew Hammond trade to New Jersey uh, mm-hmm. is Nate Schnarr, who of course uh, Laval, the 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 Laval bench is very familiar with Nate Schnarr pay, playing against him in Utica. Uh, fans are probably familiar with that name as well. Uh, how big of a boost is that for uh, for Laval getting Nate Schnarr at this point?
0: Yeah, he's. I thought he really thrived this year with with Kevin Denine. As head coach in Utica, he was one of those players. He was kind of, a I think, a little bit drift for a while. Um, Third-round pick by Arizona, uh, I'll say maybe four or five years. Yeah, I guess it would be 2017. Um He was actually part of that that big uh, Taylor Hall deal with Arizona and New Jersey a couple mm-hmm. years back. Um, then kind of got yeah, – I mean, it's hard to say because the last two years, Benhamton was just awful.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so I mean, so you're bringing a young player, uh, first second year player at the time, coming in, and it's just a not a great situation. But now this year with Utica, Kevin Dunin there, I, I thought it really brought out some really strong parts of his game. <clears throat> so I think, it, it, I mean, honestly, for for consider it was for Andrew Hammond, who was more or less a rental. Uh, I thought it was a great move, and <clears throat> you know, so more or less if you really sort of look at you, if you've converted Brandon Batic into Nate Schnarr. Right. And yep. um, I think that's pretty – at the, uh, the uh, general manager's uh, desk there. So um, I think, yeah, if you get him in the Laval system now and get him kind of working in um, uh, with the coaching staff there, and obviously there's a lot of investment in development now, and uh, I, I think he can definitely – uh, potentially be a contributor both at Laval and, and and maybe at some point with the Habs down the road.
1: Now you talked about Justin Barron uh, and what he's going to bring, but you also mentioned the fact that, that uh, both he and his brother were traded on the same day. Um, Man, Manitoba, of course, uh, also, Someone that the Labelle Rocket is familiar with. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Justin's brother Morgan and and what you thought of his trade uh, to the Manitoba Moose?
0: I was a little surprised to see the Rangers give up on him. And, you know, I know you have to give to get something, and, you know, it's a deadline, and the Rangers kind of they, they threw all their chips in and they're they're, they're going forward or at least trying to go for a deep run here. But, um, I know that he was extremely uh, popular player with the Hartford coaching staff. Uh, they loved him. Um, first thing that you constantly hear about him is how mature he is, both uh, in his game, but also just, you know, kind of his personality and his uh, his demeanor uh, kind of old beyond his years. Um, um, I think he sort of ultimately projects as more of a third line shutdown kind of guy and, you know, kind of the guy I was thinking of is would be a Blair Betts, and maybe people would sort of like scoff at that. And they're like, "Well, you know, Blair Betts." Blah, blah, blah. It, you know, the value of having own shutdown players on your bottom six guys that you can put in there late game, uh, great faceoff guys, uh, guys that can play the, the PK. I mean, those guys they carve out long NHL careers for a reason because they're valuable, um, and you know. A guy like Blair Betts played uh, almost 500 NHL games, would have played more until injuries hit him. But um, I think it's a much more realistic goal for players like a Morgan Barron where you. I think it's easier to turn a player like that into you a know, real strong shutdown defensive type where there's already some of those tendencies in place uh, versus trying to um, you know keep him being a scorer. I don't think he necessarily will be a scorer at the NHL level. Um, but certainly I think with his smarts and uh, his skills, skill set, I think he can definitely be a real strong uh, shutdown player. So I think considering where the Jets were with Andrew Kopp, he wasn't coming back. Um, it was kind of coming down right down to crunch time. I thought they did very well in that deal, and um, I think if you're a Jets fan, you, you should be extremely happy with the return.
2: And talking about uh, his maturity and and his growth, he he's, he took an interesting path, um, uh, pathway uh, to to pro hockey, and and part of that the time he spent in Saint Andrew's College, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, much like um, an Alex Newhook or or uh, those who, um, they are there that that uh, private school uh, approach is. Um, you're you're building character, and and mm-hmm. um, I I think that's where part of that um, story um, you know uh, has to be filled in, and and why he is the kind of person and player he he turned out to be.
0: Yeah, I mean they don't those kind of schools they don't just take any kid off the street that can play hockey, right? Like you have to bring a lot more. Yeah, really, maybe even first and foremost, you have to bring something beyond hockey, and then the hockey part is follows that uh so um like you like you said um, you're there uh, you're there to develop, develop your character and um or reveal it i suppose and uh and then he went to cornell for three years i mean and so right that's a demanding type of school i mean and you know every indication i got that he wasn't just one of those kids that goes there to play hockey like he was there also to be a student and you know to get an education so it's an Ivy League school. I mean so um I'm impressed by any um any player that can then juggle that sort of balance in their life, uh um, especially at a young age, uh, where you're trying to balance playing hockey, which is obviously a full time job, uh, at the college level, and also manage a, you know, pretty busy uh educational um workload as well. So, um, you know, I, I I'm impressed by a lot of these, these young players coming out of the college game now. Like, their maturity is, is, is often very striking to me. Like, when you, you when they come up to the AHL, um, you're not talking to a 20-year-old kid out of junior. You're talking to somebody who's 23, 24, but an old 23 or 24. And yeah. um, you know, kind of, like, wise beyond their years. And uh, they've, uh, they've see, seen a few things. And uh, so um, – Yeah, players like that I I really like that that move and um you know like you said character I mean high character guy I think you know definitely can be a leader at the NHL level at some point when he does become more established there and I think he's going to go there he's going to play play with the moose now down the stretch that's an excellent team um you know right you know top five or so in the league definitely a team that could uh, make a playoff run of the of their own and um, so for him to have this opportunity to really get some real meaningful games, uh, both down the stretch and into the postseason, I think that would be an excellent opportunity. And uh, you know, uh, you know, I think that's what he needs now most is just more game action. Uh, uh, between last year's schedule being kind of uh, goofy, and then this year uh, kind of being on that 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 shuttle back and forth, New York to Hartford, and and, and in reverse. reverse. And then, obviously, the, the lighter college schedule, uh, he hasn't necessarily gotten as much uh, game action as you'd like. So now this is a chance to really kind of pile up some games and, and handle that workload. And uh, well, I'll be interested to see see how he handles it.
2: And not to belabor this point, but just to add one more note: some a player we've talked about a lot on on this show is Cam Hillis. Cam mm-hmm. Hillis was a teammate of Morgan Barron at St. Andrews college. And we talk a lot about uh, Cam Hillis and his maturity uh, and his leadership in, in uh, once he went to the Guelph storm after his time at St. Andrews.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, that's a great, great example. Uh, of kind of what those schools can produce. And, uh, you know, I guess, it comes down to, you know, part of it's the school and and what they can bring out in a player, but part of it's also kind of what that player brings just within himself and, um, you kind of put those two together and you can really maximize uh, um, you know what a player's potential could be and uh, yeah I think Hillis is a great example of that.
1: So let's just before before we uh, wrap up today, just want to briefly touch on um, some other moves that will be uh, certainly felt for for Laval rocket fans uh, and and some, some things that are a little related uh Belleville uh, adding a couple of guys uh in fact uh, the Laval Rocket will be hosting the Belleville Senators on Wednesday night um getting Zach Senishin from uh from coming over from um uh, excuse me from the Providence Bruins uh is a is a big ad I think for the Belleville Senators both with his production and his leadership abilities uh and then also, they uh, picked up a goaltender as well. Uh, Michael McNiven seems to be who's fat. that? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Um, can you talk a bit about both of those acquisitions for Belleville and 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 kind of what that means?
0: Well, yeah. Starting with uh first of all, that's a guy that needed a new new home. Um, it was pretty well publicized that earlier in the year that he uh, he asked you know to be moved. And that kind of uh, didn't go anywhere for a little while. But uh, this is an opportunity. That, this is really the best uh, opportunity you can ever ask for. I mean, um, he's he's come into, in, into a system where, let's <laughs> be honest, the Ottawa centres are going to have jobs open. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of if, if you can if you can take them, uh, they're there. Uh, so And he's also a local player. Uh, he's from Ottawa, so um, he's... Coming home, in a a sense, uh, even to Belleville, only a couple hours away. Um, At this level, he's he's been a pretty solid HL player. Um, I think there's more there, though. Uh, And certainly um, it's a little bit of a reclamation uh, type of situation for him. Uh, He's 24 now, so you're definitely coming into that crunch time uh, of a player's career. Former first-round pick, uh, kind of that much much lamented. Situation for the Boston Bruins where they had uh, three picks, uh, you know, and uh, you look at who went after them uh, Barzal went uh, uh, Kyle Connor, uh, Thomas Shabbat. I mean, that's why Boston Bruins fans are a little bit uh, sour on, on how that all panned out. But um, I think, uh, you know, certainly for, from a Belleville standpoint, uh, he's a huge addition to their lineup. Um, really kind of gives them another guy I think that could be a little bit of a game breaker. Uh, They're pretty well balanced uh, scoring wise, all things considered. Uh, But I think he can definitely bring out that, uh, that side of their game as well. And uh, a little bit more stability on their roster as well. And then as far as McNiven, I mean, here's a guy who's just, you know, we talked when he was traded uh, to Calgary, uh, just guy looking for an opportunity. And again, I mean, you're probably not going to find a much better opportunity than, than you are right now uh, with the Ottawa system. I mean, nobody's really grabbed the bull by the horns there, let's be honest, uh, with, uh, you know, what that team is. And uh, you have Anton Forsberg, who obviously signed the contract, and but then you have Matt Murray, who f- fell out of favor. You have Philip Gustafson, who's kind of, uh, you know, he's had his moments, but he's not quite really – fully taking his his opportunity as well. Um, yeah, Matt Sogard, who's had a pretty solid career, year down in the AHL, but, you know, he's still developing. So, hey, opportunities are there. I mean, if, if you're a player, you're looking for something, um, I think Ottawa's as good a place to be as anywhere. And um, you, know, you go play in Belleville. Uh, you work with Justin Peters, the goalie coach there. Uh, every, you know, really, really positive feedback uh, from, from – goalies who've uh, worked with him so far and uh, a coach who's recently out of the game. So really, I think, you know, considering how much um, you know, sort of headwinds Magnificent has faced in his career so far, mm-hmm. um, this might be his first real situation where like you're, you're seeing him walk in there and sort of things are actually working in his favor, I think, for, for the first time really as a pro and um You have a chance now. take Belleville on a on on a run here. They're they're fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, uh, Rochester, Syracuse, Belleville two teams going or three teams going for two spots. So um, you know he has a chance now. Um, And interestingly enough, uh, they they have a number of matchups uh, with Laval down the stretch. uh, So a chance to kind of uh, (laughs) uh, cause some some problems uh, you know for his former team. No drama whatsoever. Motivated, very motivated uh, for those <laughs> games. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a great fit, and now it's up to him. I mean, you know, you only get so many cracks, you know, as, as a young prospect before you kind of get written off, and uh, he's a player, again, who's um, he's getting up there in age. You know, it's, it's, it's funny to say, but, uh, you know, I mean... <laughs> guys age fast i mean he's also 24 and you know goalies get a little bit more leeway in that regard but um he's another player uh he needs to play a lot i mean you know really i mean as a pro he's i don't think he's even cracked 100 games yet as a pro i mean he's he's been at it since uh 2017 18 seasons so now it's, it's, it's time like go on a run take the job and Uh, really run with it, uh, play for Troy Mann, uh, popular player or popular coach with players. So yeah, I mean, it's the ball's in his court right now.
1: Uh, And you mentioned how, uh, you know, it's, it's really a tight race in the North Belleville, Rochester, Syracuse is one that's still battling to try to stay in things as well. Um, I had asked, we'd asked you before the show, if there was Uh, One other, you know, if there was another name that really popped out to you as as potential to having big impact uh, in the AHL, particularly as we as we fight for uh, playoff positioning here. And you mentioned Syracuse uh, as one that that really added to their roster as well.
0: Yeah. uh, So uh, I think, first of all, they didn't really lose anyone. Um, That's the first step. Um, you know, considering the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are the, you know, are the parent team and, you know, you, you have players in Syracuse who are potential uh, fodder for, for trades. And so Syracuse dodged that. And then they also picked up some help. They got Riley Nash uh, coming in from Arizona for future considerations. So you're now you're, 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 putting a player that's essentially been an NHL player for, for, for years. You're going to put him into the uh, Syracuse lineup, um Obviously a player that can, um, be a first line player at this level. Um, um, now, I guess as with anything, it depends how, you know, kind of players, you know, head is on, you know, how does he handle that? So obviously it's a little bit of a, an adjustment, but, um, so they took care of that at that end. And then they got, uh, Alexei Melichuk, uh, coming over from San Jose, um, Gives them a little bit of goaltending uh, depth. Now, he struggled really badly in San Jose, but, on the other hand, you know, that was not the best team as well, you know, with the Barracuda. So, it's a fresh start for him. A um, uh, popular player in San Jose, I know that. Uh, so, he'll, he'll fit in there, and, um, you know, it's a chance for him to battle for starts. And, again, a lot like McAvin, um, you know, if you're coming in, this is a great opportunity to make your mark. Um, Syracuse has kind of been a disappointment this year so if you can kind of be that guy who uh, who can put them over the top and get them into the playoffs and then go from there um, you know this is a, another great opportunity I think you know if you're a player in the AHL in general if if you can get a fresh start somewhere I mean you've stagnated maybe a little bit uh, uh, for, for a couple of years uh, NHL trade deadline can be you know a real blessing and it can really you know jumpstart a player's career and, and, and help them kind of find their footing. Because I mean, if, if you're not going to, if you're not going to, um, establish yourself at the, the AHL level, then forget about the NHL, obviously. And, uh, so the, the first step is really finding your footing at this level.
1: Well, and, uh, Rick, we're certainly not used to accustomed to hearing disappointment associated with the Syracuse crunch. So <laughs> we'll see, <laughs> we'll see if they're able to, uh, to turn that around. Um, guys it's i think you know it's so much focus is on nhl trade deadline day but really the ripple effect of what happens in the ahl um is uh, spreads a lot more far and wide than i think people realize
2: for sure absolutely and and it it's kind of the the jump-off point for the, the the last run to the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. It's 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 an exciting time for the AHL.
0: Yeah, and we really haven't had it for three years.
2: Exactly, um, That's true.
0: Because, you know, last year was last year, and then obviously the 2019-20 was, was the pandemic. And so, yeah, this is sort of like, oh, wow. <laughs> national <laughs> trade deadline. The, Charlotte, playoff the
1: Charlotte Checkers are still defending their title. three years later
2: (laughs) yeah um and a change of affiliation
1: that's that's right yeah that's right that is
0: a, a weird story for sure
1: but chubby's still there that's what, that's what really matters. Chubby is still there. Uh, Patrick, we can't thank you enough for joining us for another edition of the AHL hot stove. Uh, lots of great insight and information from you. Uh, we always enjoy having you here and part of the rocket sports team. Thanks so much for coming today. Thank you. And Rick, people think the NHL trade deadline that the NHLers are the ones that get to have all the fun. There's so, <laughs> there's so much that goes on in the AHL as well. Uh, it's it, Perfectly time that it was a hot stove week for Patrick to join us and uh kind of bring us that insight on on all of the other pieces in these trades.
2: There were there was so much to talk about, so much going on that I forgot to ask Patrick uh who his favorite AHL mascot is.
1: Well, you know, it is mascot madness. It game. is mascot madness. <laughs> That's right. We're gonna see? have to see, we're gonna have to ask him the next time he's on the show. Uh uh-huh. who's who's his favorite ma- I can't I know who mine is. Everybody probably Can you say? it's melvin okay it's melvin he's just he's like take gritty and we all know how much i love gritty take everything that gritty is and then make him just as awesome and fabulous except like sweet and polite and just the exact opposite (laughs)
2: And add bags and bags and bags of popcorn. Of
1: popcorn, yes, and that's and that's Melvin. He is just yeah. he's he's the coolest. I I I adore Melvin. Um, there's a lot of mascots though in the AHL. The AHL has a lot of really good mascots, and so
2: so go to the AHL.com, mm-hmm. Look for mascot madness and vote for your favorite uh, mascot that's in right. the AHL.
1: They do this every year. Uh, if you want your favorite mascot to be mascot of the year, mascot champion. You got to go vote for him. Um, also, uh, this week, of course, we've got more Laval Rocket coverage coming for you at ahlreport.com. Uh, Laval with three home games this week. They host the Belleville Senators uh, on Wednesday night, which will be a very different look uh, for for both Laval, and and there's going to be some pieces added to Belleville. I, I'm very anxious to watch that game. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. It's always a, a, a kind of a gritty game between those two teams. And then uh, this weekend, it's deja vu. Uh, On the road two weeks ago, uh, Laval did not fare well in Lehigh Valley against the Phantoms, nor did they do well in Wilkes-Barre against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Both of those teams now make their trip to Quebec this weekend. Uh, The Phantoms coming on Friday night and the Penguins on Saturday. We'll see if Laval can get some redemption uh, (laughs) this weekend. So be sure to follow along at the A. AHL report on Twitter, myself and Chris G will have all the coverage for you at AHLreport.com. Uh, also want to say a big thanks to all of you who tuned in to last week's episode of Habs hockey report on our all Habs YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to our new weekly show, breaking down all the latest about the Habs, the Laval rocket and a, a really fun interactive fan segment this week, we actually had our first all Habs mailbag segment. I got to answer some great questions from fans on the show. Uh, make sure you go over to YouTube.com slash all Habs and hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell. And every Thursday you'll get a brand new episode uh, of, of that. And Rick, it's uh it's been three episodes. We've had great response from fans and viewers already. It's just been tremendous. Um, lots of interaction. And I can say uh, officially finalizing details for our first exclusive one-on-one interview to, sh- to come on Habs hockey report in the next week or so. So that's very exciting. Well, you
2: better subscribe. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had better subscribe, youtube.com slash allhabs.
1: Absolutely. And Rick, uh, if while they're in the subscribing mm-hmm. mood, they should subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast, our sister podcast that's completely focused on the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by you and a, 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 a rotation of myself, Michael Spinella, Chris G, that comes out every Saturday. Um, and I think this week is probably going to be another good one
2: absolutely um so go to canadiansconnection.fm uh for any of the the episodes of the canadians connection you can subscribe there too but you probably have uh, a favorite podcast app search for the canadians connection um and uh and subscribe
1: absolutely we're going to be talking more about the trade deadline in in more detail a bit uh on saturday so will be lots of fun uh Make sure you're subscribed there. Make sure you're subscribed here. And Rick, uh, it's been a whirlwind week with the trade deadline. And now for the Laval Rocket, it's the push to the playoffs. So lots of excitement coming up. Very exciting. And uh, we look forward to being back here with all of you next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.